This free program is paid for by the listeners of Redwood Community Radio. If you're not already a member, please think of joining us. Thank you. We operated Redwood Community Radio, KMUD Garberville 91.1 FM, KMUE Eureka Arcata 88.1 FM, KLAI Laytonville 90.3 FM, and FM Translator K258BQ Shelter Cove at 99.5. We also are live and archived on the internet at kmud.org. And support for KMUD comes in part from Golden Dragon Medicinal Syrup, an anti-inflammatory, antifungal, antibacterial, antioxidant medicine made without heat or ice. Golden Dragon Medicinal Syrup is organic, edible, topical, cosmetic, and water-soluble. Information is available at goldendragonmedicinalsyrup at gmail.com and by phone at 707 223 1569. And the views and opinions expressed throughout the broadcast day are those of the speakers and not necessarily those of this station, its staff, or underwriters. Time will be made available for other viewpoints. Thank you for joining us. And last but not least, support for Redwood Community Radio comes from Knox Manufacturing, a Humboldt County business making Harvest Excel automated canopy greenhouses locally. Designed for light deprivation and solar powered, the Harvest Excel can be viewed at Sylvandale Gardens in the Meadows Business Park in Redway. More information can be found at harvestexcel.com. And now we shall play the theme song for, let me get the right thing up here, Ask Your Herb Doctor. Good evening. Well, welcome to this month's Ask Europe, Doctor. My name's Andrew Murray. My name's Sarah Johannesson Murray. For those of you who perhaps have never listened to our shows, which run every third Friday of the month from 7 till 8 p.m., we're both licensed medical herbalists who trained in England and graduated there with a degree in herbal medicine. We run a clinic in Garberville where we consult with clients about a wide range of conditions, and we manufacture all our own certified organic herbal extracts, which are either grown on our CCUF certified herb farm or which we source from other USA-certified organic suppliers. So thanks for joining. You're listening to Ask Your Herb Doctor on KMUD Garberville 91.1 FM, 
and from 7.30 until the end of the show at 8 o'clock, you're invited to call in with any questions either related or unrelated to this month's subject of dementia uh, and progesterone. Uh, so the number here, if you live in the area, is 923-3911, or if you live outside the area, the toll-free number is 1-800-568-3723. That's 1-800-KMUD-RAD. And we can also be reached toll-free on 1-888-WBM-HERB for further questions during normal business hours, Monday through Friday. Well, <coughs> as luck would have it, uh, today's a very special day, isn't it? Um, two reasons. Number one, it's not the end of the world. At least, I don't think it's going to happen today anyway. And uh, secondly, but more importantly, it's actually the uh, winter solstice. So uh, the shortest day of the year, the longest night, and things can only get lighter and brighter from here on in until the next solstice. So that's one of the main things we look, <laughs> we look forward to. Um, once again, we're very pleased to have Dr. Raymond Peake with us. Um, his latest research article is what we're going to be opening up in this uh, month's show. Uh, his article is entitled... Um, Demystifying Dementia, Protective Progesterone. Um, I know he's a, a big fan of progesterone and the uh, other anti-aging, anti-inflammatory related compounds. Uh, so, Dr. Pete, thanks so much for joining us. Okay, so I think as usual, for those people who perhaps have never listened to the show before or maybe don't know you, um, would you please just uh, give us a rundown of your academic professional background? Um. In, from 1968 to 72, I studied biology at the University of Oregon uh, for a Ph.D. and uh, worked on uh, aging of the reproductive system and physiology more generally. Uh, and one of the things I uh, noticed during that working on my thesis uh, relates to what we were talking about last month and the... Uh, the uh, relation of hormones to electromagnetic fields and uh, dementia. Uh, I had been interested in radiation for a long time uh, before I went to the University of Oregon and uh, was um, aware of uh, some of the biological interactions. But uh, working on my thesis, I noticed that the effects of estrogen on biochemistry are in many ways exactly the same as those of ionizing radiation and uh, also paralleled the effects of uh, too much polyunsaturated fat in the diet okay. or a deficiency of vitamin E. And uh, that uh, synergy between estrogen and uh, radiation and the fatty acids is uh, behind uh, this month's newsletter. Yeah. <clears throat> I just wanted to talk a little bit more about what you've mentioned just there. In terms of energy, <clears throat> I think um, if most people uh, hearing tonight's show, if there's something I think we want to get across, uh, there's several points, and one of which is the, uh, the need for metabolic energy in our bodies. And every organism ultimately is using energy to do uh, you know, to convert chemicals into other chemicals and to basically all the cellular processes require a currency of some kind of energy. And ultimately ours is uh, oxidatively burning glucose. That's, that's the best way of doing it, isn't it? 
Um, yeah. And um, under stress, uh, we can force our physiology over to um, burning fat instead of glucose, and uh, that causes several uh, changes. Uh, it produces less carbon dioxide and uh, is likely to produce a lot of breakdown uh, products that can cause inflammation. And, and the carbon dioxide is useful, again, I think most people listening, if they haven't perhaps heard before, carbon dioxide, you're very pro-carbon dioxide and actually kind of warning against getting too much oxygen. I think that's something we think of as being life-giving, but ultimately the oxygen is not particularly good for you, is it? Um, no, um, most people have heard about the uh, glycated proteins that people get in diabetes or, or aging. They call them the uh, AGE. Uh, right, advanced, advanced glycation end products? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, <coughs> excuse me. Those stick to certain uh, parts of protein molecules, and it happens that carbon dioxide also has a spontaneous ability to attach to those uh, same groups. And if carbon dioxide is abundant, you can't get glycation because carbon dioxide is protecting that. Group. There you go. Huh. And it's, it's also the, the higher carbon dioxide in the blood will help you utilize your oxygen better. I mean, within normal levels. Obviously, if you have too high of a level, carbon dioxide will probably cause problems. Um, yeah, it delivers oxygen to the cell. So it's still uh, stressing the importance of oxygen. It's just a higher carbon dioxide will allow the cells to absorb more oxygen. Yeah, for example, in the brain, uh, in proportion to how much uh, glucose you're oxidizing and how much carbon dioxide you're producing, uh, it not only releases the oxygen from the hemoglobin so it can get into the cell, but it, it, it relaxes the blood vessels so that more blood brings oxygen. Uh, that's a general feature of carbon dioxide that tends to relax things. So when our metabolism is working healthily, then we will be burning sugar for fuel and not fat. But under stressful situations, we burn fat. And if that fat is a polyunsaturated fatty acid from nut and seed oils, then the, it becomes quite a stress on the system. Yeah, and it happens that um, starvation or radiation or estrogen will all shift oxidation from sugar to fat. Right, which is why it's fasting, again, is not a good thing to do, is it? You don't advocate fasting, even though I think a lot of people or new age groups or cultures will say that fasting is a fairly important part of a yearly uh, process. Um, yeah, one of the special problems of fasting, if, if you've been eating uh, polyunsaturated fats in the past, is that it uh, gives you a pure diet of <laughs> polyunsaturated fat with a terrific amount of oxidation byproducts when you go into a starvation state. Yeah, okay, I mean, that's, 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 the, that's the whole point of it. You're going to metabolize the free fat or the, metabolize the fats that you have rather than the sugars during fasting. And all those free fatty acids that are liberating, liberated rather, are going to be very damaging because they Yeah, they specifically uh, spoil the ability of the enzymes to produce energy from, from anything, especially from sugar. And the failure to produce energy is almost exactly the definition of stress. Right. Anything that makes you uh, lack energy uh, 
is stress. It, it turns on the whole system of uh, responses to stress. Okay. Well, uh, and doesn't that st- doesn't the body go into stress after eight hours of not eating? Um, if you've got a tremendously efficient liver, uh, some people can go much longer than that. But uh, as your liver gets less efficient, many people uh, can only go an hour or even less without uh, suffering uh, the symptoms of starvation. Uh, some people wake up every one or two hours during the night uh, with uh, nightmares or a pounding heart, uh, which happens uh, when the liver runs out of its sugar supply. Okay, so getting back to and not losing the thread of the metabolic, the, the metabolic energy point uh, behind Alzheimer's, would, would you open that up a little bit uh, and uh, explain why this energy failure leads or is in part responsible for, for Alzheimer's? Um, well, the features that people consider to define Alzheimer's uh, in the last 10 or 20 years have been the uh, amyloid plaques okay. and the uh, neurofibril uh, tangles. Okay. And it happens that the folding of these proteins that form amyloid fibrils, uh, the folding is intensified by free fatty acids if they're polyunsaturated. And that those are released into the bloodstream when, you're, when your liver runs out of sugar, basically, or you're starving. Yeah. And, and so chronic starvation and chronic exposure to polyunsaturated free fatty acids. Or chronic exposure to stress. Yeah. Uh, that's a major factor in in creating the amyloid, and the amyloid uh, has sort of a chain reaction effect, creating the tangles and the phosphorylation of, of top protein and uh, the whole structural change that they identify as uh, typical of the Alzheimer's brain. Hmm. But any injury to any tissue anywhere in the body happens to activate the enzyme which creates estrogen. It's like uh, when you injure a tree, it uh, causes sprouting by turning on hormones in response to the injury. That's how estrogen works. Um, Many enzymes get turned on, but especially aromatase, which uh, is the basic uh, former of estrogen itself. Uh, And so uh, in stress or any injury, aromatase appears and begins making estrogen right inside the tissue, and that happens in the Alzheimer's brain. Mm-hmm. I, you mentioned also that the uh, for people that are not li- people that are listening that are not scientific, perhaps the mitochondria. You, you've mentioned these in the past, and for people that aren't particularly scientific, these are the kind of factories, if you like, of energy production within the cell, and every cell has mitochondria. And these these are also damaged um, by estrogen. Um, yeah, and uh, not only is uh, estrogen damaging them in in at least six or eight different ways, uh, it shifts from the ability to oxidize glucose. It uh, <clears throat> impairs the very enzyme that uses oxygen uh, several different places in the mitochondria. But besides poisoning the energy, um, it also um, 
blocks the ability to turn cholesterol into uh, steroid hormones. The, the brain is one of our biggest steroid-forming glands in the body, okay. uh, and its concentration of steroids, uh, progesterone, DHEA, uh, and uh, pregnenolone, especially DHEA and progesterone, is about 10 times higher than in the bloodstream. Uh-huh. It, it's, probably, it's probably the largest consumer of oxygen as well, right? Um, yeah, and uh, the production of these neurosteroids is um, one of the major uses of oxygen. And so uh, testosterone is uh, produced in the brain as well as absorbed from uh, what, what's circulating in the blood. And uh, when the brain is injured, besides not making uh, these hormones uh, as efficient, effectively as, as it should because of the damage to mitochondria, right. uh, the aromatase enzyme begins turning testosterone into estrogen. Uh-huh. And uh, last month we talked about the uh, how the uh, electromagnetic field right. exposure lowers testosterone. Yep. Uh, any injury does that. Ionizing radiation, uh, concussion, um, starvation, whatever. And, and these poofers, you're saying, is also uh, another... Uh, yeah. And um, so, so th- as the testosterone goes down, the estrogen is going up, and uh, that uh, causes other hormones. The, the brain is a, a source of signals to the other glands in the body, uh, the gonadotropic hormones, FSH and LH, okay. uh, regulate the, the ovaries and testicles. So basically, we can look at estrogen as a, just a, a, a very big player in, mediate, uh, in mediating inflammation and causing a lot of inflammation. And it's, it's basically would be lumped together with prostaglandins, and estrogen would be the opposite of what testosterone and progesterone does in the healthy brain. Uh, yeah, in many ways, <laughs> probably dozens of different ways. I don't think people consider estrogen to be such an inflammatory mediator. I think um, we consider estrogen to just be a normal hormone like progesterone and testosterone, but actually they're contradicting each other constantly, male and female bodies. Yeah, that's because the estrogen industry has done such a good yeah. advertising job. for. And when you're um, exposed to radiation, whether it be from x-rays or whether it be from satellites and cell phones, it all increases your estrogen, which then blocks the testosterone in men and the progesterone in women and causes a cascade of inflammation. And uh, it's now generally and widely accepted that the Alzheimer's brain is inflamed, but they don't like to Mm -hmm. talk about the connection between inflammation and uh, high estrogen production in the brain and, and the loss of progesterone and testosterone. Okay, you're listening to Ask Your Doctor on KMUD Gabberville 91.1 FM and from 7.30 until the end of the show at 8 o'clock you're invited to call in with any questions either related or unrelated to this month's topic of dementia and progesterone and again we're very welcome, uh, very pleased to welcome Dr. Raymond Peake to the show who's uh, basically giving us the uh, giving us the byproduct of his research uh, and his latest newsletter, Dementia and Progesterone. Okay, so to, to carry on with Alzheimer's, given that that is the topic of this show, the um, 
amyloid and the neurofibril tangles that you've um, mentioned are diagnostic uh, in the brain. The, the, best, the, the best things in terms of energy production and or protection, uh, what, have, what have you found is probably the most important? Uh, it's hard to say what's most important <laughs> because there are so many things right. working together and each person has their own angle on, on the problem metabolically. But right. um, keeping uh, your, your exposure to the polyunsaturated fats as low as possible, uh, keeping the endotoxin exposure low and uh, avoiding excess iron retention because right. all, all of the that. inflammatory things mm-hmm. uh, following from estrogen and serotonin overexposure. Right. Uh, it causes the release of iron from the breakdown of the hemoglobin uh, molecule. Okay. And the iron is a catalyst to the uh, lipid peroxidation that is uh, exaggeratedly high in demanded brains. That brings me on to you talk about lipid uh, peroxidation byproducts. Um, You mentioned a uh, compound which I did take some time to look up and uh, maybe we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, Acrolein as being 10 to 100 times more potent than some of the other lipid byproducts that you've mentioned in the past from fish oil. So talk a little bit about acrolein and and how damaging that is. Um, It's a very tiny uh, fragment that comes mainly from the omega minus three fatty acids. Right, and then fish oils. Uh, it, I think it, because it's so small and chemically active is, is why it uh, has greater effect by many times than the longer chain aldehydes and, and oxygen. Uh, it's much more. It's much more potent at uh, catalyzing the reactions, though, and apparently it lasts a lot longer. Um. Yeah, and uh, it, the fact that it comes from the, um, the oils that are being proposed as even cures and, and treatments for Alzheimer's disease, fish oil supplements <laughs> and uh, other omega minus three fats are, are the main sources of of acrolein. Oh. Okay. All right, I think we're just trying to get rid of some buzzing here, and I think it's, I think it's some part of the electrical equipment. Anyway, that's fine. I think we're all okay with that. So I know you've, uh, you, you said also that um, testosterone opposes the effects of estrogen and cortisol. Um, um, yeah, one of the ways testosterone works is to lower the luteinizing hormone, and um, people are uh, now thinking that this gonadotropin pituitary hormone itself uh, has a a big role in forming uh, Alzheimer's disease. For example, they've created uh, transgenic uh, mice that uh, can't produce any of the LH pituitary hormone, and uh, they are free of Alzheimer's disease when they're uh, crossed with a strain that is, is bred to produce dementia if they don't have the luteinizing hormone, LH, uh, they don't get demanded. And uh, other mice have similarly altered genetically uh, so that they have no aromatase enzyme and can't produce 
uh, estrogen when they're crossed with the demented strain. Uh, they can age normally without dementia. Mm. And they happen to have twice as much testosterone in their brain as the uh, normal mice that, that can produce aromatase. So the uh, estrogen is being produced at the expense of the testosterone when the uh, part, partly because of the presence of the LH, partly just from the uh, intrinsic injury of, of radiation or starvation or whatever. Because even um, X-ray exposure, will, it will increase estrogen and serotonin, and then in turn those will block the effects of testosterone and progesterone. Um, yeah, and uh, any kind of radiation, uh, electromagnetic fields from uh, radio and television and telephones and so on, uh, or x-rays, dental x-rays, and medical x-rays, or still the lingering fallout from the atomic bomb tests of the 50s and early 60s, uh, probably that's a factor still in, in the increasing incidence of Alzheimer's disease because uh, radiation exposure uh, usually takes at least 10 years and uh, up to 40 years to produce cancer and Alzheimer's disease. And you were telling us that even though they stopped the atomic bomb testing in 1962 or 1963 and it only peaked around 1965, all the um, accumulation of the radioactive isotopes that were in our environment, you said that there was a large increase in Alzheimer's disease in 1980. So it seemed to take um, yeah, uh, 15 um, years to... Uh, probably other things were happening at the same time that the uh, increasing consumption of polyunsaturated fats uh, has mm -hmm. continued through this same period. Uh, Which the, are the nut and seed oils, just for our, our listeners, uh, corn oil and cottonseed oil. And, uh, and a lot of thing, others. The, the consumption of milk uh, decreased during this time, and there have been several studies that showed that uh, milk drinkers have less Alzheimer's disease, uh, and so the declining uh, milk happens to coincide with increasing uh, polyunsaturated fats and uh, the um, previous exposure to um, large amounts of uh, radioactive isotopes that were absorbed into the tissues doing their damage uh, when the person was younger. Now, uh, the th to bring this around again to the beginning, it's a basic energy deficit in the body, whether it's poisoning from PUFA or radiation or b a byproduct of an increased estrogen um, uh, in the body. The, uh, or the excess iron or bacterial or imbalance yeah, in the intestines causing an endotoxin. Or these things, these things have a fairly, a fairly common uh, denominator in terms of um, the, um, the, the thing that you can do. I know you've been a great proponent of thyroid hormone uh, as well as progesterone. And that the, uh, the thyroid hormone, the, the, the bottom line with that is it's uh, enabling metabolism to be corrected by producing energy. Uh, more effectively, allowing the cells to produce energy the way they should. Yeah, it increases the um, uh, cytochrome oxidase enzyme, which is uh, the one that is very sensitive to uh, 
stress, uh, estrogen, uh, carbon monoxide, and, and uh, basically all of the uh, uh, toxins and stresses. So it, it, has, it has a direct effect on uh, improving and or increasing that? Uh... Um, yeah, thyroid is the, the main thing responsible for increasing it. Mm -hmm. uh, it causes the genes to be expressed. It uh, causes the copper to be absorbed that the enzyme uses as a cofactor. Right. And uh, light is another major uh, factor uh, because with uh, the uh, stress of um, metabolism, the copper can get detached from the enzyme. Okay. And uh, the exposure to ordinary visible light, uh, the uh, red long waves of light that will pass right into your brain, uh, these happen to uh, lift the copper uh, atom just enough to restore its position in the cytochrome uh, enzyme. So it energize the copper ion? Uh, the copper is um, reactivated by the, the red light that's absorbed in the tissue. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was that research was done about 40 years ago, but uh, just in the last year, uh, a group in the U.S. Uh, did memory studies, and they showed that uh, just shining some red light on the head improves memory. All right, cool. And right now we're experiencing the lowest light of the entire year, and we'll continue to experience dark days. Yeah, I think everyone's a little demented in the winter. <laughs> okay, well, metabolically as well as psychologically. <laughs> well, let's hold that thought for a minute. I think there's a couple of callers on the line, so we're just coming up to the uh, 7.30 point. So let's see if uh, we've got the first caller. You're on the air? Hello, you're on the air. Oh, hi. Is that me? <laughs> it is. It's your turn. Yeah, go ahead. Hello, folks. Um, I'm very much enjoying your, your talk. Um Dr. Pete, I have three very tightly related questions and it regar uh, regarding light. Uh, you've written about the importance to health of receiving balanced light, and now I, I heard you speaking about red light. Um, I, I guess I was interested in how many hours a day you consider it healthy to expose oneself to natural daylight, and um, what during what hours of the day is healthiest. And uh, I guess the third question would be, do you have any exceptions to that or cautionary words for those of us who still have high polyunsaturated fatty acid stores in our tissues? I, I'm going to thank you in advance. I'm, I'll hang up and I'll listen off the air. Okay, thank you. Um, the um, ultraviolet damages cells are primarily by interacting with polyunsaturated fats. The, um, a couple of the vitamins also interact with ultraviolet light, but the worst damage is done by the uh, oxidation of unsaturated fats. And so uh, aspirin is very protective against sunburn. Uh, progesterone and other things that stop the breakdown of polyunsaturated fats uh, will protect to a great extent against ultraviolet and sunburn or against uh, ionizing radiation. But uh, you don't want to count on uh, taking aspirin and progesterone. It's better to avoid the 
radiation itself. Don't have your dental x-ray. Dentists can work on your teeth without x-rays. They can do root canals without x-rays. Don't, don't just say it's okay. You'll have progesterone and aspirin afterwards. Yeah, the um, exposure to red light, if it comes within an hour of the ionizing or ultraviolet exposure, uh, does something very similar to what it's doing in, in uh, repairing the energy of the mitochondria and, and improving the memory and so on. It uh, stops the uh, electronic excitation that uh, continues uh, causing chain reactions of uh, oxidation of the polyunsaturated fats. Uh, they've given uh, experimental animals killing doses of gamma rays, for example, but if they shine very bright red light on them in the first hour, uh, they aren't killed. Cool. <laughs> That's quite incredible. So what would you recommend as a healthy level at this dark time of the year, especially if you're on the Pacific Northwest? Um, I don't think we've seen the sun in days. I think it's, it's best to uh, keep as much incandescent, uh, long-wave light on your skin, as much of your skin as possible for as many hours of the day as possible, just turning it off for eight or nine hours uh, while you're asleep. And um, avoiding the um, too intense light during the middle of the day in, in summer is important because of the, uh, the circulating uh, oxidative products of the uh, polyunsaturated fats poison your whole body. Uh, it, it's the same effect if you x-ray your hand, uh, your uh, brain and ovaries and such will experience an estrogenic effect. It's not localized. It doesn't stay just where the x-ray was. No, they circulate. Uh, same with sunburn. You uh, <clears throat> absorb the poisons all through your body if it's too intense and not counteracted by progesterone or, or aspirin or such. So depending on the time of year, be before 10 or 11 a.m. and after 2 or 3 p.m.? Um, yeah, and um, just enough to get your vitamin D requirement, which uh, is... Quite a, quite a bit, but you don't want to get sunburned. So if you're burning, it's too much. Yeah. <laughs> up until the, up until the burn point, it's it's good for you. But you've re you've recommended in the past 250 watt um, heat lamps. Heat lamps as a good source of red light. Uh, yeah, and even two or three of those this time of year. Uh -huh. um, right up until uh, almost bedtime, it's yeah. good to have uh, three or 500 watts. Pretty much at you. Yeah, well, that, that free radical quenching effect of the mice is pretty incredible. Okay, well, I think we've got two more callers, so let's um, let's work our way through these. Next caller, you're on the air? Is that me? Yes, you're on the air. Hello? Hello. Oh, hi, it's Sandy in New Jersey. How are you? We're doing good. Thanks for joining us. Uh, hi, Dr. P. It's Sandy Soto. I haven't uh, communicated with you in a long time. And um, I wanted to um, ask you about, um, I've been looking into accelerated learning, and um, I've been reading also about um, smart drugs, um, only because uh, I just happened to come upon that. And I'm trying to learn some new skills and figure out some ways of increasing my, uh, my learning ability as well as my intelligence. And I know that uh, you had mentioned 
something about um, having taken vitamin B1 before a test when you were in university. So I just wanted to, um, to ask you about different ways of increasing intelligence and maximizing learning. Uh, yeah, the, and I can the take most, my answer offline. Uh, the most intense effect you can get from uh, the right combination of, of thyroid T3 uh, and uh, a big dose of, of vitamin B1 if the rest of your nutrition is good. Uh, I've uh, told several people uh, to try that over the years, and uh, no one has scored under 800 on the graduate record exam or the, uh, the other standardized exams where that's considered a, just about a perfect score. Uh, when they did it, uh, taking uh, about 100 milligrams at the start, it uh, lets you have access to just about everything you've ever known or thought. 100 milligrams of B1. Yeah. There you go. That's incredible. <laughs> and liver is a great source of all your B vitamins. Uh, yeah, you have to um, back up your uh, physiology. Uh, the thyroid and B1 can't do it all by itself. Yeah. All right, cool. Okay, so um, I, I guess that answers the last questions, the last uh, person's questions. Okay. I wanted to bring out another interesting point that you <coughs> brought up, Dr. Pete. And that was, um, it's kind of going back to the non-INAs and radiation that we were talking about last month. You know, the cell phones, but um, also the electromagnetic fields. And you said that there was a study done on sewing machine workers and how they had a three times risk of um, dementia or Alzheimer's because they were exposed to an electromagnetic field from the motor of the sewing machine. Um, yeah, I think that was people who were working eight or ten hours a day uh, for a long time. In a, like in a, a sweatshop situation. So even something that people think is harmless like a motor can cause an imbalance in the estrogen and the progesterone levels. Um, yeah, and uh, very small fields have been used therapeutically, uh, like an electric clock near the head that's been tested on people with Parkinson's disease or multiple sclerosis. And very, very small fields can have a beneficial effect in certain circumstances. Uh, Michael Persinger uh, has done some uh, very good uh, neurological studies, and he has a, a video on YouTube uh, explaining some of the energy levels uh, involved uh, in nerve interactions with electromagnetic fields. So that was Michael Persing. Persinger. Persinger, okay. Okay. We've got actually two more callers, Dr. Pete. So, okay. um, it, yeah, let's take the next one. Actually, I'm asking a question for the first one. Uh, he heard you mention the, uh, that the liquid oils are bad, nut and seed oils. Could you expound a tiny bit on that? I guess he's a first-time listener. Okay, so um, polyunsaturated fatty acids, which are also known as omega-3 and omega-6 oils, are found in all nuts and seeds. Um, coconut oil is a very saturated fat so it does not contain any of these polyunsaturated fats so we're talking about hemp seed oil um, cottonseed oil corn oil corn oil safflower canola sunflower, sun, um, sunflower sesame peanut peanut <laughs> <laughs> brazil nut <laughs> olive oil is not considered um, a PUFA as we like to call them because it has it's about 10% PUFA 
It's only yeah, only has 10% PUFA, and the other 90% is monounsaturated. So not if you have just a, a, a normal amount in your salad dressing, it's not going to cause too much trouble. But I mean, all of these fats, butter and meat fat, all has a tiny bit of PUFA in it. What percent does that have in it, Dr. Pete? Well, two or three percent. Right. So we we will all accumulate PUFAs even if we eat a completely saturated fat diet. And, and what about the high oleic safflower and sunflower, and what is bad about those? Because they still contain quite a large percentage of the polyunsaturated, even though they say they're higher in the mono, or the oleic acid is also the monounsaturated. Uh, when I was working in the hamster lab at the university uh, and got interested in the unsaturated fats, I bought a bottle of, uh, I think it was corn oil, and uh, put a, a rubber tube in the top of it with a rubber stopper and put the other end in a bottle of water. And I was doing respiration experiments at the time on tissue with a Varberg apparatus that, uh, it, the, as the tissue respired, it would suck water up the tube. And this bottle of uh, corn oil was respiring about as fast as my <laughs> tissues, uh, sucking water up as it oxidized. That quickly, yeah. So they're very prone to oxidation and going rancid. Even if they are not rancid before you eat them, they will go rancid inside your body. And it also includes fish oil. Okay, yeah, fish oil is, is much more unstable oxidatively than uh, even the ordinary uh, corn oil type. And, and, it's and, the, and it's the byproducts of that breakdown that we've mentioned, that you've mentioned, that the acrolein is another very powerful... Acrolein and, and yeah. all the lipid peroxidation, it's very harmful... Um, free radicals. Basically, it's causing a massive free radical reaction in your body that can last up to four years because it takes four years for your body to break down a fat cell. I know we have another caller on the line, but the other thing I wanted to say is that the high oleic safflower oils, uh, coconut and uh, the hydrogenated, naturally hydrogenated palm oil make great substitutes for the frying oils. Okay, so let's take this next caller. You're on the air? Hello. Hi, you're on the air. Is that me? It is. <laughs> yeah, I've got a couple of three questions, actually. Um, what about uh, macadamia, macadamia nut oil? Okay, let's take it one at a time. Dr. Pete? I can I hardly think, hear you guys. I, I think it's not so bad. It's more like olive oil. I can, I can really hardly hear you. Okay, it's higher in the monounsaturates, uh, higher in oleic acid than the other nut and seed oils. So it is a, that is the one nut I will eat occasionally because it doesn't seem to have near as much polyunsaturated fatty acids. Okay, now I have a question getting back to the beginning of the show, um, which was the, uh, um, I guess, radiation stuff. What happens with computer screens with what? people? Well, if they're like the old cathode yeah. ray. Pardon me. I, I can really hardly hear you. If it depends. The, the monitors that most people use these days are flat screen monitors. They're not the cathode ray tubes. And those CRT screens were very... Very strong emitters. We're talking about laptops here, which is kind of like, you know, they're like test screens, like they're like liquid crystals or something. Sure, yeah. They're, they're not as bad as the CRT screens that people used to stand in front of. Oh, the old the old kind of like monitor like the, screen. Yeah, like the old TVs. They were very bad. Yeah. The CRTs are flat screens, the plasma screens. They're not as, uh, they don't have the same After kind a couple of problems. years of my parents working on those old computer screens, they had to get glasses. <laughs> okay. Well, I know, but what, well, what do they do to, like, say, what like cell phones do and what, uh, you know, uh, 
I guess, uh, you know, put in your head. I mean, put in your brain or what. How, how, you know, how how do computers relate to that? Like, I would, you know, like uh, laptops. I don't think you should keep a laptop on your lap. I can't hear this guy. He's, he said he, he doesn't think you should keep a laptop on your lap. No. <laughs> that's, that's one of the responses. Computer illiterate, but I'm, I'm also a computer widow because my wife has one, and uh, it's, like, weird because <laughs> you know, she's, she's on a thing, like, eight hours a day, and it gets a little dizzy, and it gets a little weird, and like forgetful, and whatnot. Like you can't think. You don't. You know. You don't really have your own brain unless it's on the computer. Okay. <laughs> and I find that rather frustrating. And I'm wondering if there's actually any way. Like, there, is there like a, a detox for computer users? You don't keep it on your lap, and maybe get a, a detachable um, keyboard, mm-hmm. so you're not putting a motor or in a battery that's emitting electromagnetic fields on your lap or your body. Then you can type away. And because the actual liquid screens, you know, the flat screens, they do not, they're not radioactive. They're not emitting things like a oh, television. Okay. Not like a television? No. Okay. But is, is there any kind of like a, um, you know, a deprogramming from people that use these things like too much all the time? <laughs> a walk in nature. Yes, there you go. <laughs> well, I know park. that. I live in a redwood forest. <laughs> but I'm just, you know, I'm frustrated. A walk on the beach, so you're next to the breaking waves. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and I forgot my third question, but Uh-oh. I love your show and bless your hearts. And <laughs> Thank you for joining hey, us. Hey, Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy Stay Christmas cold. and Happy New Year to you, too. Okay. Thank you for your call. Okay. okay, I think we have another caller on the air, so let's, uh, let's get this next caller. You're on the air? Hello, you're on the oh, air. Oh, yes, uh, this is David. Is, is, this, um, is this the right one? Yep, you're on the air. Yes, um, you know, I, I was curious if Dr. Pete or um, either one of you have heard of earthing technology, mm-hmm. where just you have uh, different mats and yeah. different devices that are plugged into the, uh, the source on the plug-in. Uh-huh. Yeah, I just read an article the other day about earthing, and I was uh, fairly, uh, gosh, fairly... Uh, it pricked my interest for sure. What was, what was your your question? Oh, I'm sorry. Did uh, well. Uh, supposedly, you know, like your last caller was asking about mm-hmm. the electromagnetic electromagnetic waves from the computer. You know, and, and Dr. Pete has talked about those being harmful. Mm-hmm. Supposedly, this uh, earthing technology. Uh, I actually have a mat that I use when I'm using the computer. Okay. And, and supposedly your feet are bare, the. The ground frequency of the Earth um, basically overwhelms any of the electromagnetic waves coming from these devices. Does that make sense at all? Yeah, Dr. B, have you heard of this grounding technology? Uh, uh, yeah, um, the particular thought that they have is that uh, it uh, removes an excess of electrons from the body, but actually the Earth is also a source of electrons. And uh, I'm, I'm fairly sure that uh, there is benefit from uh, having a, some kind of a more or less direct contact with the Earth. Uh, I'm not sure the argument in that book is exactly right, but I think the point is is good. So, what do you think about these? You know, uh, I've used a meter. I've, I've uh, you know, like 
been next to a computer, put my hand on a laptop, and then actually put my hand on the grounding mat, and it did seem to change the frequency immediately, you know, back down to a normal frequency, more similar to the Earth. So I don't know if it's working or not, but it, it seems like it could possibly be beneficial. Um, one thing it does is, is to um, prevent the, the buildup of fields and uh, grounding everything in the house is probably a, a good idea, but um, still staying away from the machine as far as possible is, is the best thing. So, you know, using um, like Apple TV, which is obviously, you know, a wireless uh, frequency going through the house, those things are, I, I'm assuming, are really bad for us. Well, it's just adding to our load of non-ionizing radiation. Okay. You know, it's just it's more more that you might not need if you can be connected to a wire. Yes. Rather than using it the sure wireless. It isn't as convenient, though, but I guess our health is more important. <laughs> <basically>. <laughs> um, anyway. Okay, well, thank you. Thank you for your no, call. You're very welcome. Okay. okay bye. Thank you. Uh, so was that the end of the callers? Or? No, okay. I think we still have another caller. Let's take this next one. Hello? Hi, you're on the air. Hi. I have a question about um, oils again. I w attended the Weston A. Price Foundation Conference recently. Okay. I don't know if you're familiar sure. yeah. with that program. And kind of the basis of it is a fermented cod liver oil plus butter oil together. And um, there was also, so I'd like your um, uh, thoughts on the cod the fermented cod liver oil, and there was a speaker who gave evidence about how coconut oil being a medium-chain fatty acid uh, prevents and reverses Alzheimer's, and the dosage was one tablespoon three times a day, and there was evidence given about how it re reversed um, Alzheimer's. So I, I'd like your comments on um, Weston A. Price, if you're familiar with that work, and the cod liver oil and the coconut oil uh, for Alzheimer's. Um, yeah, the uh, the butter is good, um, and the um, I think it's better to eat the the whole liver uh, rather than just the oil because uh, there is a lot of polyunsaturated fat in the oil. And you'll get the same vitamins in the actual liver rather than in the oil of the liver. And many more vitamins besides. Uh, you don't get the K. Vitamin K is in the liver but not in the oil. And the B vitamins are not in the oil either mm -hmm. that you would get in the liver. So what do you think about the Western A. Price uh, protocol? Well, it's better than, than most things going around. <laughs> okay. All right, we do have another caller, so let's perhaps rather get into that. You're on the air? Hello? Hi, you're on the air. Uh, I, I don't know if you covered it or not, but have you covered dementia with um, vegetating, um, doing um, uh, juice of uh, cannabis vegetative leaves? The juice of the leaves? Yeah, doing uh, yeah. Uh, uh, juicing. Uh, vegetative leaves of the cannabis uh, le uh, cannabis leaves of the vegetative stage 
helps dementia victims. Have you helped that? Have you covered that yet? Um, no. Do you know? Do you know anything about that? Or? I was blocked. I really can't even hear you, unfortunately. So I guess I just put my question out there. If you heard me. Yeah, we heard your yeah, question, we heard and your we'll question. um we'll go ahead and answer your question, Doctor Pete. Earlier, we were talking about uh, avoiding the unsaturated fats, and uh, the saturated fats help to um, protect you against even the stored unsaturated fats in your tissues. And so um, that's one of the things that the coconut oil is doing. It, uh, since the unsaturated fats are poisoning your energy-producing system and blocking the thyroid action, Usually you can notice your metabolic rate speed up when you take a tablespoon of coconut oil. And uh, that only lasts for an hour or so after a tablespoonful. So if you do it with each meal, uh, you're getting, in effect, a thyroid activation, which restores your energy production for a while. So uh, coconut oil and sugar and thyroid or uh, things that help to uh, offset the polyunsaturated fat. Do, do you know, have you heard anything about the, what that uh, last caller was mentioning about the juicing uh, vegetative leaves? Um, I've heard of uh, using the, uh, the various forms of, of the cannabis uh, chemicals, but not the right. juice of the leaves. Okay, all right. Well, we have another caller, so let's get this next uh, next caller. Hello. Hi, you're on the air. Yes, I had a quick uh, question for Dr. Pete and a great show. Um, it's uh, about a uh, uh, heating pad. You were talking about electromagnetic fields, and my good friend lays on a heating pad. I wonder if you could answer that, Dr. Pete. Um, yeah, definitely that's uh, putting out uh, 60 cycle uh, fields very strong and close to your body. So it's better to use your heating pad uh, on the bed before you get in or your electric blanket the same turn it off when you get in bed fields that are closer to our own bodies are more dangerous and 60 cycles like we were talking last month is what normal electricity is and our body is like 7 to 10 so it's it's getting pretty close compared to a lot of these higher frequency things michael i think you have a, co- a question uh, a caller wanted to know about green tea oil. Hmm. Dr. Well, Pete, green tea oil. I don't know anything about it. I don't know anything about the oil, <laughs> but I know that green tea has a lot of antioxidant and anti-aging compounds, like a lot of other caffeinated plants and substances do. I've actually seen a seed oil of, from green tea when I was in Korea, but I don't know anything about it. I didn't know that tea had enough to make an oil, enough fat in it to make an oil. It's very expensive. Okay, so maybe there's not. Maybe it's like rose oil. I did want to bring up one more point before the end of the show tonight, if we don't have any more callers. And that is, Dr. Pete, you talked about endotoxin and how that can increase um, dementia and Alzheimer's. And I just wanted to bring out that Dr. Andrew Wakefield, when he was studying autistic children, noticed that when their diets were cleaned up or they took antibiotics or aspirin, that they had a reduction in autistic symptoms. Dr. Pete, are you familiar with his work? Uh, No, but um, that's 
consistent with everything else that uh, endotoxin does. It increases your serotonin exposure. Serotonin works to increase estrogen, free fatty acids, and so on, uh, poisoning the mitochondria. And uh, high serotonin is characteristic of autism. And, and so cleaning up the intestine, uh, several approaches have done a similar thing for autism. Um, and anything that, that lowers the serotonin seems to help autistic. Uh, thyroid or drugs such as uh, ciproheptadine and uh, various anti-serotonin drugs. Um, uh, along with um, the toxic effects on the intestine of uh, endotoxin, I should mention that particles that are being increasingly used in our food supplements, uh, such as titanium dioxide and silica, silicon dioxide, uh, these particles have been put into uh, animals' noses, and they find that they go directly to the brain and cause inflammation in the brain. Uh, similarly, in the intestine, any particle is ingested can get into the bloodstream and reach the brain uh, where it can cause inflammation. And I know you're a big proponent of not eating grains and starchy root vegetables and instead you eating fruit. Um, yeah, part of that is because the particles of, of starch themselves can get into every compartment of the body, including the brain. And there's another doctor that uses this for autistic children, a diet of, of just fruit and honey for all their carbohydrates, and the children are um, in much better shape. Um, another uh, diet feature that helps with all of the um, brain problems is uh, in fruit juice. Uh, orange juice and guava, uh, for example, are very high in substances that knock out the estrogen-producing enzyme. They're aromatase inhibitors. Uh, these are uh, apigenin, uh, naringenin, and uh, hesperitin. And soybeans happen to have a substance that does exactly the opposite <laughs> <laughs> called genistein. So for Christmas, avoid, avoid soy. soy and eat oranges instead. <laughs> Well, listen, Dr. P, I want to stop you there just so I can make sure that people that are listening can get more information about you. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing. I think it's fairly fairly clear, not just from tonight's callers, but we get. just want to let you know on the air, too, that we get so many people writing from all over the country that have listened to this show um, being broadcasted on the Internet that your, your voice is out there for sure, and we really do appreciate you giving your time for nothing and coming on the show, um, being part of it and opening people's eyes and hopefully their ears and their minds to different concepts and things they need to really stand up and take notice of. So thank you so much for giving your time, Dr. Pete. Okay, thank you. Okay, so for listeners who have joined the show, uh, www.raypeat.com. Please go visit his website. Everything he's got is fully referenced, scientific journal quality articles so um please do do yourself a favor and you're listening to ask your herb doctor and my name is sarah murray my name's andrew murray and um, we can be reached on 1-800-568-3723 okay thank you so much so have a good uh, christmas and new year's it's going to be 2013 and comet 
Ison is on its way. So let's look Sorry, forward. let me correct that number. Our number is 1-888-WBM-HERB. I just gave out the K-MUD number. It's 1-888-WBM-HERB for Western Botanical Medicine Herb. Okay. Thank you. Have a happy Christmas. Merry Christmas. And support for KMUD comes in part from Golden Dragon Medicinal Syrup, an anti-inflammatory, antifungal, antibacterial, antioxidant medicine made without heat or ice. Golden Dragon Medicinal Syrup is organic, edible, topical, cosmetic, and water-soluble. Information is available. Please remember that this program is supported by the listener members of Redwood Community Radio. If you like what you hear, please consider becoming a member of KMUD or renewing if you've already joined. A regular yearly membership is $50, but we accept any amount. Help us keep free speech alive.